Similar to what Alf just shared as we were singing Jesus, we love you, it struck me that the only way you can sing that is if you know God's love for you. Um, and that's what I hope that you experience today, is not just a generic God loves you, because that has only have so much power, but a very personal God knowing you and loving you uniquely as he has made you and wired you. And so that's what we're hoping that you experience today. Um, for those of you who are new, first time, like way too many times, um, welcome again to LMCC. Uh, my name is Logan. I have the privilege to be the lead pastor. Um, if you are new, we just ask that you would kind of scan one of those QR codes. There's a digital connection card there. We want to get to know you and invite you into what's going on in our community. But something better than a digital connection card is just to introduce yourself before you leave. I'd love to meet you. Um, I have three announcements for you this morning. Um, the first is um, this Sunday morning experience is amazing. There's nothing better than being live and singing with the church. Um, we need help to make this an environment where people feel welcomed in the love of God. And so if you uh, are looking for a way to serve LMCC on Sunday mornings, we want to invite you to be a part of our welcome team. Um, Jasmine um, is the one who leads that. You can email her, jasmine at lowermanhattanchurch.com. And then the second announcement is for those of you who are new or you've never been to a newcomer's brunch. Um, we every now and then host a brunch as a way to get you connected to others in our community and to know what we're about as a church. And so my wife and I have the privilege of hosting that at our apartment. Um, if it's good weather, we'll be up on the roof and it's a glorious view. Um, and so we'd love for you to be a part of that. That's going to happen on September 19th. And so if you're brand new, this is for you. Come and join us. Uh, the last announcement is very exciting and is huge for our community. It's an answer to prayer over a number of years. Um, we have been in search of an associate pastor. Um, I once had the privilege to serve this church as an associate pastor. And four years ago, um, I was welcomed by this community, and my family was, and it has been so powerful for me, and it's been a blessing. And then two years ago, I became the lead pastor, and since then, We've been asking God provide the right staff and the right leaders, and he keeps answering. And so today I get to introduce you to our brand new associate pastor. It's his first day, and I want you to meet him and his family and give him a warm welcome. And so Phil, if you and your family will join us. So this is half of their family. The other half is making their way up. This is Phil and Shay Chinnery. And this is their oldest, Stanley. This is Mabel. She's got a great smile, believe me. <laughs> and this is Winnie in the stroller making her way through the bagel. So um, over the last year, we've had a lot of transitions on our team. Um, our youth minister and our children's minister have been transitioning out. And so we were asking God to provide someone with experience ministering to families and also someone that combined two unique qualities. The first, that they were led and most motivated by the Holy Spirit in following God in all they do. And second, that they would have a strategic mind to help us stay aligned as a community. 
And in Phil, we feel like God has answered that very uniquely and powerfully. And so we feel blessed to welcome them, um, not only to our church, but to New York City. Um, they previously spent seven years in the Pacific Northwest, and we rescued them um, <laughs> from the West Coast to the Best Coast. Um, <laughs> And so as we welcome people to our team, um, the way we do that is we lay hands on them and pray. And so if you're a leader in this community, I'm going to invite you to come and join us as we pray over them. And so uh, leaders, come on up. If you're a pastor, um, come on up and surround them as we pray. (laughs) And for those of you in the audience, if you could just lift your hand as a way of kind of joining us in this. Father, we praise you for your son and daughter, Phil and Shay. We praise you for these children that you have blessed them with. God, we praise you that you answered our prayer and asking that you would bring them into our church. And God, we welcome them, we embrace them, and we bless them. We ask that your favor would be upon this family as they walk the streets of this city that you would open doors and make it easy for them to live and transition into this home. We ask that you would put favor on Phil and Shay as they meet neighbors, as they meet other families. God, that they would be received as those who love you and bear your love. We ask that you would bless Phil's ministry with us at LMCC. God, that your hand would be on him, that he would have wisdom and understanding beyond what he has before because your spirit is upon him. And so let much fruit come from his life and his leadership here. We bless him. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Will you celebrate with us just with a round of applause? Um, When... I was welcomed in this community. You guys gave us gift cards to great restaurants in the neighborhood, and you had us over for dinner. So I expect just that you would do that 10 times more for them. Um, So get ready for that. Um, This morning, we have the privilege to hear from another leader within our community, as we have at all summer. Uh, And this is one of our pastors. So at our church, we have a team of pastors that seeks God for his vision that seeks to shepherd and care for every individual that comes in here as a divine soul so that they know God's love. And over the last year, we've had transitions on our team of pastors. About a year ago, we only had four pastors. And then by God's grace, we were able to appoint three new pastors last November. Moses Shoyola, Dan Carpenter, and who you'll hear from today, Alicia Lee. And then back in May, um, we sadly and joyfully said goodbye to one of our pastors as he followed God um, upstate. So we had to say goodbye to Dane off of our team of pastors, um, but he's continuing to pray for all of you. And so we were down to six, and now as we add Phil, we are back up to seven pastors. Um, And so I share that with you so that you know a little bit about our community, but also that you would pray for our team of pastors. Um, That's an instruction from the scriptures, um, and we need your prayers. And I'm thankful for them as my pastor, and I'm thankful for them as your pastors. And so today we had to hear from Alicia, and what I love about Alicia is that she is most passionate about what the Spirit of God is saying. That's what she cares about most. And she seeks God alongside of her husband, Jason, and dances with her son, Noah, as he sings, and smiles with the cutest cheeks in the world, Lucy. 
Um, and so uh, I'm excited to hear what God has to say through her today. I'm going to be reading the scripture um, for her this morning, and it should be on the screen. So read along with me. Matthew chapter 22. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, that you would love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. God loves you. If you are sitting in this room with me today, if you are tuned in online, God loves you, and he wants you to know it. When I asked him what I should talk to you all about today, he said, tell them I love them. Does anyone else flip to the back of the book? Right, like I've actually never read a book where I didn't flip to the back, so I would know the destination before I really got into it. So I wanted to tell you, that is our destination today. That is the punchline of today's sermon, God loves you. All right, so with that out of the way, we can get started. Hi, my name is Alicia Lee, and I'm one of the lay pastors here at LMCC. If you've been around for a while, you'll know that this summer our church read the Gospels together. Um, if you didn't know that, or you didn't have time to do it, I have good news for you, because Jesus has a Notes version of the Gospels hidden in Matthew. It's called The Greatest Commandment. Logan read it, but I'm gonna read it again. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So simple. Just two things, two commandments. If you get these two right, you're all set because Jesus says everything else hangs on these two. So simple, right? But it turns out not so easy. I think what's easy is to read it and move on, right? Read it and move on. But if we stop, if we stop this morning and just meditate on it, right? Especially that first and greatest commandment, I wonder who among us can stand up and say, I love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. Who, in the presence of God, and by the way, he's here this morning, can stand up and say that? It's hard. And I don't just mean that it's hard to do, it's hard to even wrap your mind around what it means. It's abstract, it's big, it's unwieldy. What does it even mean to love the Lord your God? Now, when something is hard to understand in the Bible, especially in the Bible, our tendency is to kind of just gloss over it, you know, instead of grappling with it. Um, I think we tend to try to find the next thing that we can understand. It makes sense, right? There's a lot of material in the Bible. It's a sensible strategy. But when it comes to the greatest commandment, it's a dangerous thing to do. So let me take a step back. In this generation, in this place, idolatry is alive and well. Moses preached an entire message on it a few weeks ago. And one of the points he made was that we can be fooled into thinking idolatry isn't a problem for us 
because we don't worship a golden calf, right? But in this place, in this generation, I think what many of us have done is made ourselves the golden calf. Right? We put ourselves on a pedestal. We make ourselves, God, what do I want? What do I need, right? Like, how can I control the outcome? Uh, Moses used a very technical, very biblical term for it. He called it me, 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 me. And he's right. We all put the I in idolatry. It doesn't take long to figure out that it doesn't satisfy, right? Even the secular world has figured out that it doesn't satisfy. My husband Jason and I watched this great documentary a few weeks ago about WeWork. The founder is this guy named Adam Newman, and he has this great line in the documentary. I'm paraphrasing here, but he says something like, the 90s and the early 2000s were the I decade. It was all about me. And look where that got us. The next decade is the we decade. Now, he's talking about the future of work, but he was speaking to something deep in people's hearts. That's why he was able to cultivate this huge following for his concept. Even the secular world knows that the I world doesn't satisfy. But of course, the secular world, they, they skip over the God part. There's no God there. They go to neighbors. They go to we, right? But I think for many of us Christians, we can have a tendency to do the same thing. You know, it's easier. It's more tangible. Christians are the first ones to lend an ear to a friend, to organize a meal train, to join voices with the oppressed. Don't get me wrong. The second commandment is important. It is critically important. But Jesus says the second commandment is like the first. It's like the first, which means that you can think you're doing the first, but you're really hurrying by it. Bible says faith without works is dead, but so is works without faith. So today, just for today, I want to set the second one aside and put a laser focus on the first question by asking three questions. What does it mean to love God? Why is it so hard? And how can we get started? All right, so what does it mean to love God? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Let's talk about heart, soul, and mind. Jesus could have just said, love the Lord, but he didn't. He said heart, soul, and mind. I'm not a biblical scholar. I don't know Hebrew. I don't know Greek, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't mean the kind of love that we casually profess all the time. Right? I love old episodes of The Office. I love that Birkenstocks are back. Now, he means heart, soul, and mind. So let's talk about each one of those channels for love. Let's talk about what the scripture says about them, and let's bring it together into the God context. So starting with the heart. We point to the organ, the heart, when we're talking about the root, the truest place where we feel, where we believe, and where we desire. Right? David says to God in Psalm 139, search me, God, and know my heart. There's no pretending there. Right, there's no thinking. There's almost the sense of it being, uh, almost a sense of it being involuntary. By the way, love is not the only thing that is in your heart. There's a lot of awful stuff that can get there too, which is why the Bible says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. That's Proverbs 4. All right, so let's skip over the soul for a second and go to the mind. You know, we point to our brain, we point to our heads when we're talking about the mind, the place where we take in information, where we process it. Romans says it's in our minds that we're able to test and approve what God's will is. We take in information in our minds and we try to make sense of it. We think, we make decisions, we imagine, we remember. 
That's our minds. Now, going back to the soul, I think maybe Jesus puts soul between the heart and the mind because it includes the heart and the mind. It connects the heart and the mind. The soul is who we are. David in Psalm 103 says, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. It's what God has placed into our earthly bodies. Where our heart and mind come together, our soul drives our will, which is our everything, our choices, our actions, everything we do in life. So let's put that together now. What does it mean to love the Lord your God through all three of those channels? Heart. Loving God with our everything, with our, um, with our hearts, believing in God, right? Faith. Desiring God. In the root, the truest place where we feel, we believe, and we desire. Mind. Loving God from our minds means we decide to live a life in love with God. We try to understand God. We wrestle with what the world has for us, and we make decisions, decisions consistent with the will of the one that we love. We choose to obey. And then there's the soul. Loving God with our soul is loving God with our everything, our inmost being, bringing together the heart and the mind. It's from this place with our will that we express our love for God. We pray, and we praise, and we worship. You know, we may sing with our voices, but we worship from the soul. Repentance. I think repentance is also a soul expression of God love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with, with all your mind. Piece of cake, right? All right, so let's move on to question number two. Why is it so hard? It's not just that it's abstract and big and unwieldy. You know, we just talked it out. But many of us still feel uncomfortable, right? We still feel like it's so hard. Why? The love relationship between us and God, it's a bilateral relationship, right? There's God and there's us. You know that thing that people say when relationships aren't working out? They say, oh, it's not you, it's me, right? But when it comes to God, that's actually true. It's not God, it's us. God is not the difficult one to love. God is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the great I Am. He is the Lord of Heaven's armies. Right? And he loved us so much that he created us. He's held up his end of the relationship. So it's not his deficiency, it's ours. And I think it's important to acknowledge that. The thing that highlights that deficiency, I think, better than anything else, is that we find it difficult to love, period. And I don't mean love in our casual and meaningless way. I mean love by God's definition, right? God, love that changes lives. Love that sustains relationship. How many of us look back on our lives and see a trail of broken relationships far behind us? We need to look at that. Because life is just one big journey away from and back to God. And so every relationship we have and don't have here in this life is instructive about that relationship, that relationship that matters in the end. So we need to look at our non-God relationships because it clarifies some things for us about our deficiencies. One, we're transactional. You don't give without getting. Should I date him? I don't know if he makes enough money. Should I be friends with her? What doors can she open for me? Should I commit to God? Is he gonna answer my prayers? We're transactional. We're insecure, right? We vacillate wildly between extremes. On one hand, we believe in ourselves so much we would never give without getting but we're insecure in equal measure. He didn't call me back. She didn't invite me. 
I think my mom loves her more. God couldn't love me, not after what I've done. And then we're rebellious, right? And this is, I think, at the core of our story. We want to live by our rules, not our parents' rules, not our wife's rules, certainly not by God's rules. Of course I should eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we're transactional, we're insecure, we're rebellious, and we're a long list of other things too, but I'm going to go easy on us today. Why are we this way? Why are we this way? Because we were born into a broken world. We've inherited sin from that original sin, right, to generations of our family sins. And that's all before we were born. Sin has visited upon us in our lives. We've sinned ourselves. We bring literal lifetimes of hurts and brokenness into our relationships with people. And we bring them into our relationship with God. He's the source. He's the one who heals. He's the one who can heal our brokenness, the stuff that needs healing. Um, But that same brokenness, that same stuff that needs healing, it keeps us from the healer. Does that sound like a riddle to you? It reminds me of what Paul says in Romans chapter 7. He says, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. What Paul is saying is that in this bilateral relationship between us and God, a third party is involved. It's the devil. And he's been interfering since creation. He is in all the brokenness I talked about today, separating us so far from God that we can't even understand what it means to love God. And he's actively working against us today. So even if you want, even if you want nothing else but to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, it's hard. And the truth is, it's not just hard, it's impossible. So let's go back to the greatest commandment again. When the Pharisee asked Jesus which commandment was the most important, the Bible actually doesn't use the word ask, the Bible uses the word test. The Pharisee was testing Jesus, and Jesus with that sharp, double-edged sword coming out of his mouth. He answered in the way that only Jesus does. He says, love the Lord your God, because it's the greatest commandment. It is what we are to do. But it's also impossible. It's impossible, and Jesus knows it. He's setting it up. He's setting it up for what's to come, which is Jesus dying on the cross for us. Jesus dying on the cross for our sins to reconcile us with the Father, and also so, And this part is important. And also so, the Holy Spirit can come. In John 16, Jesus says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus also says, When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. That is what makes the impossible possible. So we're going to end now with our third and final question, which is, where do we start? How do we turn the impossible into the possible, and how does the Holy Spirit come into play? Well, it starts with the heart. It starts with the heart. It rhymes, so it's got to be right. But there is an order of operations here, right? God says heart, soul, and mind, so we start with the heart. Everything flows from the heart, but heart love is tricky. You can't just love because you're supposed to. We talked about that. Things of the heart don't work that way. God very intentionally did not create us in that way. 
So how do we get to a heart love for God? By asking the Holy Spirit. Jesus calls him the spirit of truth. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to deliver us into the truth, the greatest truth in all of creation, which is the truth about our Father's love for us. All morning, we've been talking about our love for God, what it means, why it's so hard. But God's love for us, that's the door we walk through to get to it, and the Holy Spirit is the key. John chapter 3 says, For God so loved the world, for God so loved the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. First John chapter 4 flips it around, but the point is the same. He says we love because he first loved us. There's an order of operations because God knows we're transactional. He knows we're insecure. He knows we're rebellious. So his love for us first, his overwhelming powerful and irresistible love is the only thing that can open the door to our love for him. And the completion of that love relationship is, it's everything. It's our relationship with God. It's our relationship with each other. It's our souls. It's life itself. And that brings me to a fourth question that I didn't ask today, but that might be circling around in your heads, which is, okay, great commandment. I get it. But why is it so important for me? It's important because it's what we were created for. And when we don't have it, we spend a whole lifetime yearning and searching. We look for it everywhere else, in food, in drugs, in sex, in money, in good stuff, in our children, in our marriages, in our friends. That's how those things sneak into our hearts to become our idols. That's how they create this life of death and destruction and disappointment because the thing that's supposed to be in our hearts isn't. I bought my children a book for Easter. It's written by Rick Warren's daughter, and it's got like the cutest bunnies on it. I mean, I'm not an animal person, but I just want to squeeze these little bunnies. Anyway, the, the book opens on the very first page with these words. Little one, little one, don't you know? Don't you know God loves you so? How God decides to present to each of us the truth of his love is going to be different because he's a good father and he knows each one of his children is different. He's going to speak to each of us differently. I'll tell you how he told one child. I'll tell you how he told me. Um, so we used to get together and pray before service. Um, we do it online on Zoom now, but pre-COVID, pre-service, we used to get together in one of the back rooms here and pray. And if you've been back there, then you know that there's this utility room that houses the HVAC system for the entire city. It is so loud and so not peaceful and so not nice. And um, one morning before service, I was sitting there, bowed my head, closed my eyes, and out of nowhere, God put this picture of me in my mind. It's a child, me. It's a photograph I've seen of myself before, but I hadn't seen it in a long time. I'm little with bangs and a purple bow in my hair. I've got on a red plaid dress. I got my arms crossed. And God, through the Holy Spirit, told me that's who he sees. That's who I am. And then out of nowhere, the divide between heaven and earth opened up. And I feel wave after wave after wave of his love. It is powerful, it is protective, it is tender, and it is adoring. The Father's love, I felt it. I felt it. 
I didn't ask for it. I didn't even know to ask for it. But I felt it. And he gave it to me because he loves me. And he gave it to me, and this is where we started today, because he loves you. He's chosen me to tell you today that he loves you, but way more importantly, he's chosen you to hear it. God loves you. Would you join me in prayer? God, we are here because we want to be here. We want to love you, but we need help. So God, I pray that you pour out your Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth on all of us, your children, to lead us into love with you. And for those who are in love with you already, Lord, would you give them a fresh encounter with your powerful, tender, irresistible love. Pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.